following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We are, um, well, we are and I am going to be trying uh, some different things over the next few weeks. It, it sort of occurred to us and occurred to me that um, what we've been doing in worship uh, on Zoom has mainly been um, what we did the very first time we were on Zoom with a few little uh, adaptations and changes. But you may remember on March 15th, when we set out to worship together on Zoom, we all thought that was going to be rather temporary, that it was going to be a short-term thing. And I even remember mentioning on that Sunday that we might have to be doing this on Easter. Now, Easter was April 12th, and there were gasps in the room. Uh, and I could hear them because there were multiple ones of us in the room at that time doing this. Um, obviously, Easter came and went, and um, many other high, holy, and important days came and went, and here we still are on Zoom. And um, so I started to think, well, if we're going to be doing this for a while, um, what what makes the most sense? And how can we um, turn this into a feature, as they say? This this used to be our motto when we started Artisan Church. When any, anything went wrong or, or different, we said, well, let's turn that into a feature. And so we're going to do our best to do that. And so it it might mean a few things. It might mean our services are shorter because I think it's harder to maintain attention on Zoom for, you know, a full service's worth of time, even our kind of shorter version. Uh, but one of the things that I'll be trying off and on is a little bit of more interactive stuff during the sermon. And so I'm going to experiment with that a little bit today. I have some thoughts that I want to share with you, but I'm hoping that they will be shaped somewhat by your responses to me. Um, and I'll give you some question prompts from time to time, maybe. And so I want to talk today about um, godly decision-making in a time of crisis. How many of you, um, by show of Zoom hands, of the ones I can see, are facing a difficult decision right now? Right? I see a few hands. And uh, by the way, if you want to turn your videos back on for this um, that would be great. I'd love to see your faces, and, and I might actually ask you for some more visual responses as well. We'll see. So now, um, I, I think, I didn't remember to check this with our Zoom manager, but I, I don't think you can actually unmute yourself at this point in the service. So maybe you can type it into the chat, and I would love to hear from you. What are the decisions that you're facing right now? What is the difficult decision that you are faced with in this moment? And I'll, I'll pause for a minute while you while you type some of you. I have some speculation about what it might be, but I'd love to hear from you. While, while people are typing, how many of you are facing a difficult decision related to education? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess we could. Um, I guess we could enable unmuting for the time being. So maybe um, uh, if you want to unmute yourself, you should be able to do that now. If you'd rather share that way, you can. Um, but here's a here's a, ty a typed one. How to be safe at work when I see every student in the building? From Scott Burgess. Yes. Yeah. Um, online learning. 
Cheryl says Josiah has an opportunity to play juniors hockey, but he would have to live in Utica with another family. That's a big decision. Uh, Philip says, rethinking my job as an educator, similar to what I'm doing with the service here, rethink uh, versus try to approximate um, something else. Yeah, that's really big. How many of you are um, rethinking something right now? Or, or uh, sorry, I gravitated to that word rethink. I'm not sure why, but I really like that word. How many of you have a tough decision to face right now? Um, regarding career or work. Yeah. Diana says, nursing school decisions in the fall and what to do with my job while I am in school. Yes. And Jesse says, homeschooling versus virtual schooling versus in-person schooling. Never have there been more options for, um, or choices to make for the way we, as parents and caregivers, decide to educate our own children. How many of you, um, and you can wave at the camera or or type or use the thumbs up reaction or something like that. Um, how many of you have thought in this time, and this is a big one, maybe you don't even want to out yourself in this way. How many of you have thought, maybe it's time for an entirely different career? Maybe the question isn't, am I going to go back into the office or keep working from home? But rather, am I going to go back to that job at all? You can nod or give me a little uh, finger waggle. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl says more choices and none of them are good, or at least none of them are ideal. Absolutely. Uh, we're all facing <clears throat> some looming political choices. Right? We have a, a very big election coming up. And uh, some, some of you may be wondering if you can, can actually cast the vote that you that you think maybe you need to cast, or um, if you are going to vote in person or vote by mail or um, all that's been on my mind recently, and maybe I'm the only one thinking about those things. So here's the next question or prompt. What are some of the feelings that are created in you that you are feeling coming up in yourself that, um, that are created by these choices that you have? How does this make you feel to be faced with these difficult decisions? You can type them in or shout them out. Okay, anxious. Melody says, yeah, and some there's some head nodding going, even just at the word anxious appearing in the chat on Zoom. Absolutely. Frustration and despair. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty um, powerful cocktail of emotion right there. Yeah. Fear. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Confusion, uncertain. Overworked with no end in sight, lethargic, things that aren't that things aren't going to change for a long time. Somebody else immediately typed tired. I don't see the end of this. Somebody else immediately typed exhaustion. Right. So this is why we do this. Um, I had a list of feelings that I thought people would respond with, and I didn't put exhaustion down. But as soon as people started citing it, I was like, "Yep, I got that one too." Sad, simply just feeling sad, yeah. Trying to feel hopeful, but failing. Mm. Which is its own kind of despair, isn't it? Feeling defeated, yeah. 
So we can, and you can feel free to continue to type in the emotions that you're feeling. I'll stop repeating them aloud, but um, others may benefit from the solidarity that comes from that. Oh, I will repeat that one. Angry. Yes. Um, some people don't want to admit that they feel angry right now, um, but that is definitely one. Yeah. Uh, I just want to point this out um, as kind of a big picture observation. This emotional state that we're all in is not really an ideal state to, to make big decisions from. Is it? So the situation that we're in in the world right now is that we are simultaneously faced with incredibly difficult decisions and in a state where good decisions feel like they would be almost impossible to make. So this, it's this, this multiplies the challenge that we are experiencing because the same thing that's making us face difficult decisions is also putting us in an emotional state that's not ideal for making difficult decisions. So what are we going to do with that? Well, um, in the category of just general advice giving, which is maybe not necessarily a, a spiritual truth, um, take it from someone who hates making decisions, even in the best of times, <laughs> much to the profound frustration of some people who work with me. <laughs> but you don't have to make every decision right this second. Now, some of them you do, but the ones that you don't have to make right now, table them. <laughs> Um, now, some of you really hate not making decisions. Okay, some of you are the opposite of me in that respect. And, and it really frustrates you to have any open-ended situation in your life. But I want to tell you that right now is not a good time to make difficult decisions. So if your difficult decision can wait a little bit, maybe consider letting it wait. And, and that may add its own frustration. However, um, we want to... Uh, we want to make these these other decisions that we do have to make um, as cleanly as possible. So um, that's the advice giving portion of today's message. Uh, let me talk to you about something that I think is a spiritual truth and reality. Um, and that's the idea of discernment. Are you familiar with the word discern? It's it seems a little bit like a fancy version of the word decide, or maybe even a more spiritual version of the word decide. The word discern um, has roots in, in Latin um, from the words separate apart. Right? So if we're talking about discernment, we're talking about trying to sort things out in some ways. Right? So if your brain feels very cluttered, you are ready for discernment. By the way, um, let, I want to get uh, a, I want to get something. Hang on, just a second. This is my dictionary, right? It's not it's not a biblical uh, thing. It's not a, not a religious source, except that under the definition of discernment in the Oxford American Dictionary, um, the second definition actually is related to religion. It says in Christian contexts, perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual direction. But that's not the, that's not the reason I wanted to share this. You know how sometimes dictionaries give a sentence to help you understand the meaning of a word. 
This is the sentence that they give as an example of the word discernment in this context. Without providing for a time of healing and discernment, there will be no hope of living through this present moment without a shattering of our common life. <laughs> now, I did not expect to get hit with that kind of deep spiritual reality from the dictionary, but that's what happened. Um, wow. <laughs> So I'm going to speak to you very briefly about um, a way to practice good spiritual discernment. And I've talked about this in certain contexts before. Some of you will have heard this. Um, but what I want to present to you as an option or um, an opportunity for how to, how to practice discernment is the, the fruit of the Spirit. There's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Galatians, that describes the fruit of the Spirit. And I love the metaphor of fruit. It's this agricultural thing, right? Um, that if a seed has taken root and begun to sprout into a plant that can produce fruit, you can take that fruit off the tree and enjoy it. And it's sort of physical, tangible uh, evidence of the fact that there's something healthy happening in this organism, I think in the same way, this list of the fruit of the Spirit are a reliable evidence of the presence of God, which is to say that if you are experiencing this list of things, that is evidence, reliable evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life and in your mind and heart. Right? So let me read to you what the fruit of the Spirit is. Right? From Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to drop that right into the chat for our Zoom friends. So... The reason that I say these are reliable evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that whatever evil force exists in the world is not interested in you being a more loving person, is not interested in your joy, is not interested in you feeling peace, is not interested in you being patient or kind or generous or faithful or gentle, and is not interested in you having good self-control. So you don't get those by accident, and you don't get those from the forces of evil in the world. What you get those from is the Holy Spirit. And my spiritual director, um, who is in the Ignatian uh, stream of the Christian faith, has suggested to me that um, the fruit of the Spirit, in, specifically in the course of a process of discernment, is a cue that this is where God is leading you. Right? So very specifically, what she told me, and I have told many others, and I will tell all of you now, is that if you are trying to decide between two options, let's say it's going back to work versus staying at home to work, or keeping your job versus changing your job, and you kind of inhabit each of those decisions uh, in time, and act as if you have, and imagine as if you have made the decision in, in one way or the other, what you need to do is take notice of whether you find more fruit of the Spirit 
or less fruit of the Spirit. And if God has a particular direction to lead you, um, so it goes in the Ignatian tradition, you will experience more of the fruit of the Spirit when imagining that uh, choice than when imagining the other choice. And so I offer that to you as a, a possible way that you might begin to think about discerning which course to take, um, which direction to take, which decision to make. Now, sometimes you're going to do this process and you're not going to get any real clear guidance. And I, I take that to mean that the Spirit of God doesn't really care. <laughs> not that God's Spirit doesn't care about me. Not that, not, that the God, that, not that the God of the universe doesn't care about me, because I believe God does care about me and cares about you. But doesn't care about that decision. Doesn't, in, in other words, doesn't have a particular preference. Sometimes you can do either one and, and God will be perfectly happy with you either way. Right? Now, God can make good out of any of the decisions also. So if you make the wrong decision, that doesn't mean that all hope is lost. So I hope that that's something that's useful to you. Now, you may be saying, I don't have any sense that the Holy Spirit is present with me at all. How can I expect the fruit of the Spirit if the, if the Spirit isn't present with me? Well, I want to encourage you that the Spirit is present with you. The Spirit is present with all of us. And it's a question not of God's presence with us, but of our decision to acknowledge that and live in accordance with it. And so um, ask and seek and knock. It will be given to you. You will find the door will be opened to you even if just a crack. And I'll leave you with this beautiful picture from the Gospel of John, an event that happened near the end of that book of the Bible. When Jesus had been crucified and raised from the dead, the resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples. And it's told in the book of John, chapter 20, when it was evening on the day of the resurrection, Jesus came and stood among the disciples. And do you know what Jesus said to them? He said, peace be with you. Keep this in mind. Whenever we're back in person doing the passing of the peace, when you get to say to someone, peace be with you, you are speaking the words of the risen Christ. When he had said this, he breathed on them, which is a very um, visceral thing to imagine when we're dealing with a, um, a disease that's transmitted through respiration. But Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the word for spirit is the same word for breath. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you are his disciples, and I'd like you to imagine Jesus breathing his peace onto you, but also breathing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And may that presence be with you uh, as you make whatever tough decision you're facing this week. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.